So today, I guess I'd describe what I'm going to do is make a big plug for community. Think about this as an advertisement for community. And uh, let's see what I can do to persuade you that it's a very important subject. There's an African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. And that's why as a parent of three adult children and now a grandparents of five grandchildren and counting, we would encourage you always to raise your children within community. It's been a powerful support to us over the last 30 years. But the thing is this, it doesn't just take a village to raise a child. I would say it takes a village to build a life. And that's one of the reasons why I believe community is so important. So today just gives me the brilliant opportunity to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is community. Because today we've just seen modeled the value that we place on community when it comes to raising our children. Why is community so important? Why does it matter so much? Because for all of us, it's the place where we get hurt. But for all of us, it's the place where we get healed. And in that statement, I've described to you why community is both an absolute necessity for all of us, but for all of us, an absolute challenge. It's the place where we get to work out who we are. I get to work out who I am. And I get to work out why I'm on the planet within community. There's a beautiful African idea called Ubuntu. And there are many different ways of explaining Ubuntu, but my favorite is this. Ubuntu means I am because we are. So it kind of basically says that my identity is rooted in and flows from community. That's why it's so important. Whoever you are today, and there are many of you I don't know, I've never met you. Whether you're a Christian, you consider yourself to be a Christian or not. Whether you follow and love Jesus or not. What I can say to you is this. Every single one of us was born to belong. Firstly to him, and I'll talk about him in a minute, but also to one another. So this talk today applies to all of us because all of us were meant to belong. The creation story is a really important moment for us to understand where community comes from and where it's meant to go. So in the Genesis account of creation in chapter 1 and in verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image. He didn't say, let me. He said, let us. Why us? Because God is plurality. 
Christian Orthodox doctrine calls it the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what we can learn from the creation story, firstly, is this, that God, before he creates anything, is within himself, community, let us. And then he goes on to say, let us make man in our image, let them. So the creation story is community creating community. The fascinating thing about the creation narrative as it unfolds in chapter two is that as God creates everything, so he creates light and he says, that's good. Then he creates land and water and he says, that's good. Then he creates plants and animals and he says, that's good. And then you get to chapter two and I think it's verse 16 and he says, that's not good. What's not good? It's not good for man to live alone. So within two chapters of the opening of the Bible, you get the idea that creation is by original design how we were meant to live in community. Sorry, community is by original design how we're meant to live. And in chapter two, God spots a problem because Adam is on his own. And so the, the Bible tells us that he creates Eve to be a helper. And I don't know about you men out there, but I can tell you for one, I knew I was born needing a huge amount of help. So I went looking for a wife. <laughs> Unashamedly, because I didn't think I would survive without one, quite frankly. And 32 years later, see, I needed help with that one. Um, Sarah is still helping me, and I'm, I'll pay later. No, 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 that wasn't planned, honestly. Um, so I live in community with Sarah, and that's by original design. In Psalm 68, you get that the, the, the narrative of the Bible continues with this verse in Psalm 68. It says, God sets the lonely into family. It seems to me that God's response to loneliness is family. It's a version of community. I'm gonna use those words interchangeably today. God sets the lonely into family. It's his solution. His response to a broken world as a father was to send a son. The purpose of the son was to reveal a father and the father's goal is to recreate family. You see, the point is this, that we cannot reflect the image and likeness of God in isolation. We reflect the image and likeness of God through community. Which is why in Acts 2.42, the story continues with the New Testament church devoting itself not just to him, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to one another. Why? Because the church is meant to be a community that reflects the image and likeness of God by original design. They devoted themselves to one another. Those of us who are Christians will sometimes talk about uh, asking people to invite Jesus into their life. So you meet somebody that doesn't know Jesus and you say, have you invited Jesus into your life? And that's okay. It's a, it's not, it's a valid question. 
The problem with that is, if the answer is yes, what you can end up with is me and Jesus bobbing along on our own. And that is never how it was meant to be. So I have an alternative question. What would it look like for us to say, have you accepted Jesus' invitation into his life? So all I've done now is reversed it. It's no longer me asking him into my life. I'm accepting his invitation into his life. And his life is found in his body, which Paul teaches us is the church. Now all of a sudden becoming a Christian is no longer a personal decision. It's a personal decision followed by a corporate journey. I'm going to explain to you why all of this is so important shortly. We can be saved alone, but we are sanctified in community. That is how it is meant to be. It's called the local church and there is no plan B. We have been having a go at local church for 2,000 years and we are still messing it up. 2,000 years of practicing. Are you a practicing Christian? Yeah, Christians have been practicing for 2,000 years and we're still messing it up. I don't mean just vine life. We haven't been around that long. But there is no plan B. And within my heart, all of my heart, is a desire to be part of a community that does everything we can to nurture and fight for community as God intended it to be. The challenge is, it's the place where we get hurt as well as healed. And that makes it a challenge. Why does this matter so much? Why am I talking about this today? Because I think the spirit of this age, whether you're a Christian or not, you live in this age, is inculcating our humanity and attempting to fragment us and to separate us and to isolate us. And in that sense, it's culture flowing against everything that God intends. This is not a comment on Brexit, by the way. We must focus on what unites us, not what divides us, whether we want to leave or remain. But the spirit of this age is attempting to drive us all apart. The outcome of that is loneliness. If you fragment, separate, and isolate, you become, by definition, lonely. Guess what we have got a minister for, for about the last 18 months? A minister for loneliness. Why? Because public health experts believe it is, is becoming the greatest, you know, a great greatest contributor to poor mental and emotional and physical health. It's an epidemic in its own right. It's a pandemic in its own right. It's a symptom of the spirit of this age, which is driving us all to separate and isolate. When we, when we isolate ourselves, we become vulnerable. When we isolate ourselves, we get to sit on the throne of our life. It's great, because I'm in charge now. Nobody else telling me what to do. We also become responsible for what we believe. 
Nobody telling me what to believe anymore. I can choose to believe what I want to believe. And I go looking for the podcasts and the books that affirm my theological prejudices. And then everybody's agreeing with me. We become self-sufficient. So all of a sudden, the only resources I have access to are mine. Wow. Be afraid. Be afraid. Makes us suspicious of other people because all of a sudden, life becomes me and everybody else. And the moment we decide that it's me and it's everybody else, we become suspicious. And where that leads us is we turn everybody then into an object. It's what they call objectification. It's what happens if you walk down the street and bump into somebody, you go, sorry. If you drive down the street and bump into somebody in a car, why are you doing that? Because you're in a car and you've turned that other person into an object. So that whole path that the spirit of this age wants to take us on is unhealthy, it's dangerous, and it's wrong. It's not original design. It's not in the image and the likeness of God. And that spirit isn't just affecting society, it's affecting the church. The church has been dividing and multiplying since the Protestants decided to leave the Roman Catholic Church, and we've been protesting ever since. And every time we protest, we can create another denomination. So the church is probably the antithesis of everything that I'm talking about right now. But you know what? There is no plan B. There's you and there's me. I wrote a poem about that once. I thought it was a rap at the time, but I'm not sure what the difference is. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I'll distract myself. I do that all the time. Um, so that's a theological piece, right? That's all well and good. But practically, what difference does community make to me and to you? I've started to compile a list, right? Because community is hard. And if something is hard and you've got to pay a price for it, you really ought to understand the value of it. Because it's very easy to bump in community and just find a thousand things that are wrong with it. When you, when you start to ask yourself what is good about community, there is a very long and growing list that I am not going to share with you today because you'll have your own list. Go away and just think about the power and the importance of community that looks like family, extended family, friends, church community, your street. What does the power of community offer you? I just want to pick up on a couple of things which I think are really important. Community offers hope. Community offers hope. The Hebrew mindset applied to the promises of God understood this, that the promises of God were not first to an individual, they were to a community. It's really important to remember that because the spirit of this age turns your Christian promise box into a me, me, me. Actually, in the Hebrew mindset, it was an us, us, us because they understood the promises were given to a community. So Jeremiah 29, one of everybody's favorite fridge magnet, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not do you harm, to give you hope and a future the Hebrews understood that wasn't just for me, that was for us. And actually to fully benefit from that promise, there had to be an us, not just a me. 
So church community bears on stewards hope because the promise of hope is to us, not just to me. Can you make it on your own? I doubt it, but don't try because it could kill you. Because you were never meant to be able to make it on your own. Community by design. Stories. Every church community, including this one, is a library of stories. Sometimes you just need to hear someone's story remind you that it's going to be okay. I had a nervous breakdown in the context of a church community as well as a family, as well as a very large business that I was working for. And I'm pretty certain I would not have survived that if it wasn't for community. Because at some point I couldn't stand up on my own. I'd have people alongside me that would hold me up and would remind me from their stories that it's going to be okay. Because there were other people in that church community who had broken themselves and were now fully restored. So their story gives me hope. The moment we isolate ourselves, we are no longer accessing stories. We are making up our own narrative, which can often turn into hopelessness because there's no one there to remind us it's going to be okay. Community for me personally, the thing I love the most is where I get to be seen, heard, and known, championed and challenged. I love that to do that. I love to do that for those around me, and I love it when those around me do it to me. And this week I've had some brilliant people step into my life at a challenging time and just champion me and remind me who I am. And it's just the most amazing experience ever. The moment we step out of community, we disconnect ourselves from a rich and powerful source of life-giving stories to us. I have to stop the list. There are many, many more that you could, for yourself, create. Do that. Remind yourself, however hard it gets, what community brings you. So that's all good. You're sitting there thinking, well, brilliant. That's all brilliant. But you know, how hard is it? Let me show you my scars and my bruises from being part of community. Why is it so hard, do you think? Jean Vanier, one of my favorite authors on community, says this, community is a terrible place. <laughs> I'm not selling it to you now, am I? He says, community is a terrible place because it involves relationship. It is far easier to have a relationship with a television or a book or a cat or a dog. That's what he says. I think he's true. I remember buying a dog once because I thought I just need somebody in my crisis, in my valley of mental health crisis. Sarah, after so many years of refusing to allow me to buy a dog, let me buy a dog. Because I just needed somebody else in my life who was going to be 100% unconditional with me, right? Who was going to listen to me weeping without trying to fix me. Who was not going to offer to pray for me because they were scared. Who was going to keep me company when I would rather be on my own. So I did buy a dog. And I, I rigor, those of you who got dogs know community with a dog is a doddle. Really, just, they create sort of challenges in some ways, but um, when they eventually get with the house training program, they're, they're, they're fun, right? 
So communities, I'm offering you community and it's a terrible place <laughs> because it involves relationship, so says Jean Vanier. Why is that true? I think I sum it up in one word. You'll have your own ideas based on your own story. I think it re boils down to at least, at least this, which is difference. The problem with community for me is none of you remind me of me. None of you are like me. You don't sound like me, you look like me, you don't think like me, you have different opinions to me, you probably vote differently to me. We are all so different. And the moment that we engage with one another, that difference comes into play. So that's one of the reasons what makes it so difficult is the fact that we are so different, but it's actually what makes it so powerful. If only we could celebrate our difference as opposed to try and fix one another to be the same. See, community is not about us becoming the same. It's not about the church becoming a homogenous group of people that dresses the same, sounds the same, looks the same. We will all be transformed and conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. But that doesn't mean I lose my personality or my dress code changes. I can be me and still look like him. You can be you and still look like him. This is the mystery. This is the mystery. Community is not about us becoming the same. It's about us sharing our similarities. So what do we have in common? But celebrating our differences. Community is where we allow what we have in common, our values, to be the thing that unites us. And then to understand that what unites us is far more powerful than what divides us. It's a whole new talk in itself, but if you exegete Ephesians 2, Ephesians being my, one of my favorite epistles, if you just take Ephesians 2 and you split it in half and then you split it in half again so you've got four quarters, basically what you get in Ephesians 2 is Paul's exegesis of the cross and the way in which it unites us individually with God and then corporately with one another. The cross is sufficient not only to restore our fellowship to God, but to help us and empower us to be able to live out the authentic community and the likeness and image of God that he designed back in Genesis 1. So what? I always love that question when I finish speaking because I always think, so what? So what? So what? If you are not a Christian today, I want to say this to you. You were born to belong. You were born to belong. You are a child of God created in his image and he wants to have a relationship with you. You are on this planet and you are in this room not by accident but by design. You're here for a reason. And the reason is that you could come to know him. Whether you believe he exists or not, he loves you unconditionally and invites you into his life. Long before you were born, you were wanted. 
and you were known by him and loved by him. So in one sense, I could say you can today ask Jesus into your life. But to practice my own preach, I'd also like you to think about you can accept his invitation into his life, which is not only stepping into a relationship with him, but stepping into a relationship with those who love him. It's an amazing opportunity for you to do that. Please don't leave today with at least, without at least having a conversation about that. We have a prayer team at the end and they'll be willing to talk to you about that, that invitation and help you to accept it. If you're a Christian today, listening to me, then I want to say this to you. You were born to belong. Why does that statement seem so uh, challenging in a way? Well, because there are tens and hundreds of thousands of Christians today who have decided they don't belong anywhere. Because community for them has been a war zone. It's been a horrible place. Yes, community is a place where I get hurt. Let me tell you about it. I'm not saying you have to go back there, wherever there is. Neither am I saying that you should stay here. But what I am saying is, every single one of you belongs somewhere. And the important thing to do is to know where that is. If you're a Christian today and you don't know where that is, please stay and sojourn here. It's a new word. I love this word I learned from the Bible. Sojourning. I'm going to find ways of using this more and more. Sojourning. It's basically the way the Bible describes people who, on a journey, decide they need to take some time out to rest and to recover to find strength again, to continue their journey. This is a beautiful place to belong. It's also a beautiful place to sojourn. And I really believe from words that have been spoken over us as a community that this is on our lives as an assignment to offer people that opportunity to sojourn. Doesn't mean we don't want you to belong, but we hold you likely because we understand it may not be here. But whilst you are here, belong. Be a part. And so today, that was a very unapologetic advert for community. An opportunity for me to just take a journey from it takes a village to raise a child to it takes a village to build a life. And whoever you are today, whatever else you've heard, let me finish by saying this. You were born, we were born, every single one of us to belong. Thank you.